back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Kroenke. He's a member at Peace CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we recognize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And things are starting to get messy now in the CRC, so keep up the good fight. What we're doing is taking the opportunity to interview pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to hear about what needs to happen in order to see Reformation. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, head on over to our website at themessyreformation.com. There you'll find our podcasts and other articles that we're putting out on a regular basis. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Matt Ford. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them... He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And so I see there this wonderful, it's a collaboration of as you know the Lord's commandments and keep them, you actually go and grow in your relationship with him. Amen. And you live out your love for him and to him. And so it's really a false dichotomy to me to say that, you know, rules diminish relationship or, or that God hasn't made, you know, a lifestyle that's pleasing to him clear so that we ought to, so that we could have a real relationship with him and live for his glory. I'm, I'm disturbed by that. And I, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm not happy that leaders in a reformed and reformed circles are saying things like that. Yeah. And they're not just saying it, right? They're actually putting up videos and posting them online and like shouting it from the rooftops. Right. We have people saying that and it goes against, it really goes down to a fundamental issue against almost everything we stand for as a denomination, a uh, denomination that stands on God's word. And um, I, as you were talking, you know, this, this ridiculous dichotomy between uh, rules and relationship and and not being bibliolatrists, I, that I remember just almost crying, going, "Oh my goodness, let's not go there." And Be, do you, you remember? Know, do you remember what God says to David in in uh, Samuel? Right. So David he sees his 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 buddy's wife, right, and she's beautiful, and he desires her, and he he breaks every rule, right? <laughs> and then, and the Lord through the prophet says to him. In, in like it's in verse nine why have you despised the word of the lord to do what's evil in his sight right so you broke a rule mm-hmm. and then down in verse 10 it says the sword will never depart from your house because you have despised me mm. that just that shouts at me when we despise god's rules we're actually despising him right so there's that again that connection Amen. between um rules and relationship yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And at some point we have to understand by 
by not recognizing the authority that God has given us and not respecting the authority of who God is and has revealed himself to be, we're putting ourselves on par with the serpent in the garden when he says, has God really said? Uh, when, when we have people say, well, we don't know what the Bible really says about this. And well, you can't really trust that, can you? You are, you are putting yourself in league on par with uh, the father of all lies, who's been a liar from the beginning. And, you know, it's one thing for, um, I don't know, it's one thing for somebody who visits church and I get coffee with him and he says this and, okay, you know, I care about you. I want to persuade you about the gospel. Are you for the trustworthiness of God's word? I want to, I want to unpack, you know, ways. I want to confess ways Christians have got this wrong. I want to talk about what it means to interpret. Uh, let's, let's have all those. Let's, let's think about all those things together. But it's another thing for a leader in, in the church who has, you know, signed the form of subscri- subscription or whatever and, and said, I believe these things about God's word and the creeds and confessions. And for that person to do it, that's a new level, right? That's a, yeah. And it, it, it deserves a different response. 100%. Well, you know, scripture says not many should uh, desire to become an elder or an overseer because they're going to be held to a higher standard that there is a different level of not only i mean this has been for me one of the big realizations not only is there a different level of judgment that's going to come from the body of christ but but also from god right i mean god's going to hold each one of us as pastors to a different standard um but here's the interesting thing and i'd love to get to your thoughts on it um so we have these people in our church, they're teaching these pastors who are teaching things contrary to what our denomination holds and teaches. And yet it seems like we have really refused to do any form of church discipline or to rein them in or say, you know, you cannot teach this and still be in the CRC. Uh, Why do you think that is? Why are we so hesitant to do any form of discipline on these pastors? That's a great question. Um, there's probably a lot of things, um, even thinking of, of the, we, we, you know, that includes me. Mm. What, what have I done? I, you know, part of it is, uh, in my experience, a lot of people I consider faithful pastors, like our noses, our noses are to the ground and we're working right here. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to all those churches out there. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's just a, that's a part of it. I think part of it also is an, is an ungodly kindness. I mean, the, the fruit of the spirit is gentleness. It is, it's kindness. But when, 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 when gentleness goes into gently, not speaking the truth in love, especially, you know, if an elder is caught in sin, um, call him out publicly, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. it. But for the sake of the health of the church, for the sake yeah. of the preservation of the gospel, it's it's in love that sometimes we must speak or act um, with clarity, right? I think that's that's the issue with clarity, so as to preserve the church. Um, I think we're just afraid to to hurt people, and you know, in the modern in our modern times, right? The the ultimate authority really is kind of the the story the narrative of the individual's experience yeah and, and if you if you say well i don't 
you know, if, if you say, I, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry for your pain, but I don't, I don't buy that narrative. That's not the authority to me on what love is or what truth is. Then uh, you, you put yourself in a, in, in the box, right. As the, yeah. as the hater, as the hypocrite, as the, as the bigot. And, and Christians have been those things before, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we have sinned in that way. I have been prideful and self-righteous. So rightly, I want to repent of that. Rightly, I don't want to be that way. But then it's easy just to fall off of the other side of the cliff and, and not, not stand when you should stand or not contend yeah. when you should contend. And, and then I guess the third part is I don't even, I don't know how we do it. How, how do we do it? You know, I hope Synod will do something, but how does Synod do it? That's a whole conversation too. How does, how does a network of churches hold another church or another classes accountable? That's a mm-hmm. great question. And I don't, I don't think yeah. I really know the, the details of that answer as far as our structure is concerned. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. Um, in a lot of a lot of what you said, one of the things I've heard a number of people say is that one of the reasons why the CRC continues to drift more liberal is that most of the conservative guys are saying, "Hey, my calling is to my church, and I'm I'm focusing here. We've got this local focus, and we we don't always see what's going on at the denomination. But those who are more liberally minded get involved in all of the details and all of the businessy work of it, and and are kind of, you know, to say it more cynically, pulling the levers of power and, and figuring out how to use church order to their benefit. And then when us conservatives get the synod, we're uh, kind of sideswiped and not prepared and, and like, wait, what's going on? And we don't know all of the political stuff that had gone on leading up to that. And, yeah. and that's not always necessarily a bad thing, right? There's, there's been a even I've noticed in myself now, as I've started this podcast, I've been diving into things, trying to help uh, help leading up to this next synod and try to kind of fight for orthodoxy here. There's a real tendency. I, I have to pull myself back every week and say, no, but my main calling is still to my church, not the denomination, right? right. And so it's, it's super easy to get sucked in and and just start working for the denomination and then make your church your side job. And yet that's not our calling. Right. And so it's uh, uh you're right that that's uh that's not a bad thing that are that we're focused on our churches obviously and yet we still need to be able to see what's going on and and provide provide discipline um just for the the sake of our our people right because I think as a denomination we there are people too right we have we have these different levels of responsibility and so obviously our families are primary and the churches are next but but our denomination is in that level of priority because we've covenanted um, to live together. So it's part of our part of our responsibility to hold to faithful, truthful doctrine and That's and, right. and to discipline. Yeah, and That's and right. not to be afraid. And, and here's where it comes the the struggle comes in. You know, as as Willie pointed out, um, a lot of these things that we're starting to hear remind us of the serpent, right? And you get down to it, remind us of Satan. And uh, Jesus wasn't afraid to call people children of the devil, right? A pit yeah. of vipers, a pit of snakes. And, uh, and yet, even I know that even in myself, and I'm considered fairly a blunt guy, um, but even in myself, I have a hard time standing up and saying, you are a wolf, you are, you are a child of the devil, you need to stop doing this, right? I want to say it more 
gentle and loving. And yet there are times, obviously not all the time, but there are times when it's appropriate to stand up and, and tell them to stop, stop preaching that because you're, you're right now, you sound like Satan. I mean, even Jesus told Peter that, right? Get behind me, Satan, right? Because of mm-hmm. what he was doing. And, uh, and so it's just kind of an interesting, interesting time to be in. I think uh, I just had a conversation with a guy about this and we weren't talking about the denomination, but we were just talking about friends and family members of us and fellow church members who are uh, going astray. They're, they're living lives of sin and trying to figure out how to, how to talk to them. And this guy kept saying over and over again, well, it's not my job to condemn their sin. It's just my job to love them and know that they're part of the family. And, and I kept saying, that's not an either or thing. Like we can, we can confront someone for their sin in a way that they know that we still love them. Of course. It's hard at times. I mean, homosexual, the homosexual one is tough because they've made this sinful activity, their identity, which is why it becomes so so difficult but but i've had conversations with people who are transgender with people who are practicing a homosexual lifestyle and i've been able to say you know this is not good for you this is not glorifying to god and yet i love you i'm here for you i'm going to walk alongside you in this i want to you know i'm not shunning you for this but let's let's try to live in a way that brings glory to god and so we can do both of those but i don't think i don't think we've seen it done well over the years, which is why we're, we struggle with it so much. We've either seen people just shun, say, bad, 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 have nothing to do with you, or people who just say, love, 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 let's ignore all of the bad. And now we're in this time where we're saying we need to try to be able to bring these two things together. Well, and it's such a different conversation, isn't it, between... Um, what do I want to do? I want to do, I want to do a difference between the word struggle with something and celebrate something. And then I also Mm -hmm. want to think about the difference between somebody who's a church leader and someone who is investigating Christianity or, you know, and all of those contexts are, are so different. And I think they, they define the the biblical faithful response. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I struggle with all sorts of sins regularly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I was born. I, I believe in total depravity. I was born with desires, things I want that God has told me are not good. Mm-hmm. And so I need to uh, I need to I need to have my desires changed fundamentally by the gospel. And I need to I need to keep fighting and praying and working to love what is right, and even try to make choices in that direction when I when I don't feel that way. And and this this conversation actually helps. I I don't want to confront in love. It'd be far easier either to not confront at all or just have you know get out of here, leave, <laughs> right? I don't. Amen. I don't want Amen. to do the messy hard work continually. But even that is a sinful desire. It's an overlove of comfort, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. It, it, it's I I love I overlove comfort. That's a desire problem. I mm-hmm. I still struggle with it I, right now today. Um. So I, I, we all struggle with sinful desires, but the, to celebrate it, I mean, imagine, right? Imagine, you know, that same, say, say we pick the first Corinthians six text, right? Paul doesn't just talk about homosexuality, he talks about greed or uh, 
it's one thing that we to struggle with greed. It's another thing to celebrate and say, this is who I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a greedy person and it's great. Mm-hmm. To have, um, no, 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 no. So there's, there's mercy, right? So much mercy and forgiveness and patience for struggling with something. It's different when something is celebrated. Yeah. And then, and then, and then yeah. take into account, um, church leader versus church attender. Like you said, these, these are different, uh, these are different things. And, and I, I hope I would speak differently to a church leader celebrating something God's word says is sinful versus a church attender struggling with something yeah. that God says is sinful, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Right. I I've, I've used this example before that when I, when I came into this church three years ago, um, I got connected with a guy who I very quickly got suspicions, right. That he was, um, wrestling with transgender, right. He was a, he's a male, he was born a male, but he was kind of flirting with dressing like a few, he'd wear things that you were like, okay. Um, but I, like my first conversation wasn't with like, Hey, let's sit down and talk about this. Right. Because he was just checking out the church. He's super immature in his faith or maybe not even a Christian yet. And you don't know. And so, um, so we got down, we had dinner together and just talked and we talked about everything but that, but that didn't matter. It didn't come up. Right. We talked about other things. And actually we talked a lot about the gospel because he thought he knew the gospel, but he didn't understand the gospel. So we talked about the gospel for like an hour and then had over supper. And right. We met repeatedly for a year before it really came to a point where it's like, now, now you're mature enough. We need to, we need to have this conversation that this is not, you know, glorifying to God. This is not who God made you. And, and, uh, and we were able to have that conversation. Now, Um, and we were able to hug and say like, Hey man, I love you. Let's get together. Let me walk through this with you. Now I can't say that that's been hundred percent perfect. Right? Like he didn't just receive that and say, Oh, great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to return, turn from this lifestyle. But, um, he said he was going to consider it and we've been still communicating and we've been working on things together and, and, uh, we'll see where it goes. But, but yeah, so there's a difference in immature believers there's a difference in teachers. There's a difference in committed members of your church, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we haven't even talked about you know when you get when you're into those things, the difference between God's design, which we must and need to, and it'd be good for us to respect, and then you know cultural stereotypes, which it's not the same thing. Um, yeah. But I hear you. And, and, and all those things need to they need to happen. Right. In that kind of uh, brotherly, sisterly relationship in the local church. Um, yeah, amen. But yeah. So then you're thinking of the, 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 the platform of the denomination and what they are teaching people. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that, whoa, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another massive concern that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Right. Um, and uh, that's one of the things, I mean, as we kind of transition to uh, the kind of last question that we, we talk about, um, that's one of the things I would love to see uh, reformed in the Christian Reformed Church. It has to be reformed in order for us to um, see, see the CRC kind of not only just, I mean, we don't want to just hold the orthodoxy for orthodoxy's sake. I mean, there have been people for that throughout the centuries. So let's just be orthodox to be orthodox. but 
we want to hold the orthodoxy because this is what brings glory and honor to God. It's what furthers the, the kingdom and, and the gospel as well. And so that's really the, the desire for holding our denomination um, in a position of orthodoxy. It's really holding our denomination in a position that honors God, glorifies him, and furthers the kingdom. And I really, truly think one of the things that needs to happen eventually is for us to have the teaching arm of, of our denomination doing that better and doing a better job of discipling its people. Um, but what things do you see um, do you think need to happen in our denomination in order to see some form of reformation start to happen? That's a great question. Um, you know, every, every like, heresy, every heresy challenge ends up being purifying for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have to repent of our sin and things we've missed. We have to be more careful with what we say and how we say it. We need to think through an issue. Um, but as far as, as far as what is our, what is our denomination need? Uh, at one level, and then maybe this is going to sound harsh, but you know, first Corinthians five, cleanse out the leaven from among you. Um, you know, when, when we asked, we, one question you sent me, do you believe the CRC is worth rescuing? What needs to be done to ensure its survival? And so let's define our terms. What is the CRC? Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of this process for me has been meeting tons of just local pastors all over North America, like, like you guys. Yeah. And that has been deeply enriching and encouraging. And when I think of, if this is the CRC, these these hundreds of little faithful churches who love God's word and love the gospel and want to see the kingdom grow to God's glory. Is that worth rescuing? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Um, these relationships is this, this camaraderie in the faith. Um, is it, is the CRC, the, what are the terms the, the bureaucratic institution, the, the committees, um, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care if that survives or not in a way, because I mean, God's, God's church will survive. Amen. Right. His church will endure and, and, and his church flows and thrives through a bunch of, of a bunch of institutions over time. And then a lot of times those institutions, I mean, it's just like the churches in revelation, right? They, they lose their lampstands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Ephesus in the book of Ephesians is, is an amazing church. And in the book of Revelation, it looks a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what does the church need to do to survive? Listen, uh, one, one illustration, maybe, maybe this is no good. But, but say you're on the committee for, uh, for PETA, right? And, and you decide you, you like to eat bacon. And, uh, and, and now PETA has a choice. If, if you're a, you're on the leadership committee and you eat bacon, um, they either kick you out and stay PETA or they let you stay in and they are no longer PETA, right? Because mm-hmm. they have the, the, our communities are formed by our creeds. Amen. It, it is that way. It, that's not, that, that is the truth. That, that just is reality. And so if the church 
what is the church? Well, is it, it's the community of God's people who want to live for his glory according to his word. I mean, it's, and so when somebody says, I don't want to live according to his word anymore, we now have a choice. Do we stay the church or do we, do we keep that person in leadership? Sort of, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. that's too stark, but so what do, what do we need to do to survive? We need to clarify who we are and then make sure our leaders are that. Amen. Uh, otherwise, I mean, that's just, I, I hope that's, I hope that's not harsh. That's just clarity. That's mm-hmm. clarity. Yeah. And so uh, we, we know, we've known for what, 3,500 years, right? We've known uh, what, the, what the word says in generalities, right? And in, in the important yeah. essentials, we know. And so we need to, we need to, to hold fast to that. And there's plenty of other places to go if somebody doesn't want to do that anymore. Um, but I hope the CRC as a union of churches will hold fast to the gospel according to the word of God. Amen. Uh, Amen. And that, and that leads us into, you know, this upcoming synod, right? We, that means the significance of not it, there's significance and obviously there's significant significance in adopting the human sexuality report right um but it's more than just adopting the report right so most of the most of the pushback i'm seeing isn't actually pushing back against the theology of the report it's pushing back against you know recommendation d right the that this already has confessional status because if it has confessional status then um, you know, ignoring it or rejecting it is worthy of church discipline and removal of office. And so uh, many people are writing overtures. We're going to see a ton of them come in, maybe not a ton, but we're going to see many come to this next synod um, saying, okay, adopt the report, but remove recommendation D, um, you know, pull the teeth out of it um, so that people can kind of, this is our official stance, but people can disagree on it, which, which seems ridiculous. Um, to me. And so it's important that we do not only adopt the report, but that we also adopt recommendation D. But then the next step is that we start enforcing it then. And we start saying, hey, if, you know, and I, and I heard people say, um, looking at this upcoming synod, that it might be helpful for us to come up with some kind of a, um, the RCA had this, you know, grace-filled separation agreement and saying, Hey, here's where we stand as a denomination. And if you don't hold that, we're going to let you go, right? We're going to allow you to to go to a place where you can serve in good conscience, but we are not going there. And that's not as hateful as people think, right? Some people, you're going to kick them out. No, we're going to allow you to go serve in a place where you can serve in good conscience. And we can all stay serving in good conscience as well. And I think that's a a necessary step moving forward. Because I think, and this is just my read, I think the human sexuality report will pass. Um, I think we've got um, a lot of people who are, that's going to pass. I think recommendation D is going to be more heated, but I think mm-hmm. it'll pass. Um, but if history tells us anything, um, the last 20 years, ever since the women in office fight back in the 90s, the CRC has said, we are not going to fight anymore. We're just going to be happy and nice and smile at each other we're not going to fight about stuff and that's why we are where we are i mean fighting isn't 
isn't a sign of unhealth, right? You, there has to be some, some fighting um, going on and or disagreement. I mean, people don't like the term fighting, but there has to be disagreements. We have to argue with one another and wrestle with things. And when we stop doing that, then we're unhealthy. And so um, I don't know if, if we have it in us to start enforcing recommendation D. Um, and we're going to have to do that in order for our denomination to stay healthy. And, and you're right, 100%. I don't want to see the, all of the bureaucracy of the denomination stick around. I think part of the, the future of our, the, the CRC requires a lot of that bureaucracy going away and us centering, uh, you know, the leadership of a denomination on, on the gospel and on, on, on fellowship, right? I, I, keep, I keep telling us we need to focus on the word of God and we need to focus on fellowship as a denomination. And we've kind of expanded those into 150,000 things where um, money is getting poured and agendas are getting pushed and all of that ridiculousness. And and if we can cut that back and as a denomination focus again on the word of God and on fellowship, that brotherhood of pastors and churches, um, that would be a healthy denomination. And it, it's not only a healthy denomination and glorifying to God, which is obviously the main thing, um, but it's really attractive in the world today. I mean, people come to a church and they say, man, you're preaching the word of God and, and you're a close family. I want to be a part of it. I've seen that over and over and over again. Yeah, no, amen. I think that's true. Um, Matt, just once again, thank you for for being on this podcast and kind of collaborating with us about these things. I guess I'm wondering if uh, you have any kind of final words for myself and Jason and the other listeners, pastors, church leaders, parishioners, uh, anything you want to leave us with as we uh, as we head forward, maybe? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Not to put you on the spot, but yeah, I just want to, I want to ponder that. I guess one thing I'm telling myself is um, just cling to Christ in the sense that, um, you know, in moments of controversy, right, it, it does stir up um, my own sin, uh, whether it's fear or self-righteousness or, or anger or um but but you've got to you've got to kind of pick your pick your team right you've you've got to you've got to pick your team you've got to put your flag down in the ground you've you've got to test like do, do you believe this is the word of god do you believe um the scripture is the word of god do you believe it points to christ is he your priest your king your lord your treasure what does he say what does he tell you to say and then and then uh love your enemy don't be afraid and tell the truth. Just tell the truth because you cling to Christ and he's telling mm -hmm. you to tell the truth. And, and in the end, you know, I, cling to Christ and tell the truth, man. You know, pick your ting and stand with, stand with people who are doing that. And maybe that's too simple or too devotional, but that's what I'd say. You know, you just, you got to pick, you, you got to choose. Is he your Lord? What is he saying? What does he want you to do? How does he want you to do it? Walk forward in that. Uh, with others who are trying to do the same thing. And um, he did say, right, sometimes he comes and he brings a sword. There's a sword in even intimate relationships. It's one of the most painful things he said, right? Even in family relationships. Um, and, and in some ways, he gets glory in us 
showing um, our loyalty and love for him, not in being obnoxious, not in being self-righteous, not in being uh, in being angry per se, but just in saying, I, I want to stand with Jesus and being willing to do that no matter no matter the cost. Um, and I think we just need to be we need to be willing to receive that from our Lord if that's his desire. Um, just to be just to be faithful to him. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Jeffrey Scripps. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy Reformation.